Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete with me, Emma Gannon, talking to interesting creatives about the internet, creativity and everything that they've been up to. So my guest today is the brilliant journalist Pandora Sykes, who is also a friend and also former colleague of mine. So it was really, really lovely to catch up with her. We were part of the launch team back in 2014 or maybe even 2013 at the now sadly website The Debrief, which you might remember reading. It was aimed at millennials and it was a brilliant place to work and I really, really enjoyed all of the people who were on that team. Pandora was the fashion editor and I was the social media editor and I also loved reading Pandora's blog. She wrote really interesting social commentary and in general just was into the same things as me, it felt like, in the industry. And now Pandora is doing many different things. She is still obviously a journalist, brand consultant, podcast host, speaker, and she held the very iconic position of fashion features editor and wardrobe mistress columnist at the Sunday Times Style magazine for quite some time before venturing out on her own and doing all these incredible things. She is also a contributing editor at Man Repeller and Elle, two of my favourite magazines, and I really encourage you to check out her writing if you haven't already. Pandora is also the co-host of one of my favourite podcasts, and I know I know both Pandora and Dolly, Dolly Alderton, but it really is a fantastic podcast. All things pop culture and current affairs, they tuck into all sorts of different topics every single week. And if you want to go back and listen, I also interviewed Dolly Alderton on this podcast. The podcast is called The High Low. It has pretty much got this cult following. I feel like you can just ask around and pretty much everyone listens to The High Low. It's a very good icebreaker if you're ever in need of making friends. But um, it's absolutely brilliant. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And here it is. Well, welcome back to Control Out Delete Pandora Sykes. Thank you very much. When did we do our last one? Do you know what? It's so funny because last time I came to your flat and I was so new to podcasting that I had the shittest microphone. I think I just put it on the floor and like hoped it would record us. I can't even remember it. Was it about three years ago? I think I'd be embarrassed to listen to it now. You know, in that um, old way of like when you read something you wrote at school. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows, but we used to work together, didn't we? Like four or five years ago we used to work together at the debrief r.i.p yeah and it was really fun at the time and so much has happened since then i feel kind of similar to you and dolly in that way sometimes where we do lots of things but they all make sense together i try do you know what i I loved when you rebranded the terrible word that is the slasher really odd isn't it into the multi-hyphenate and you really did because i hear people using it and i'm like oh that's summer gannon um but I still also am quite old school about what I call myself. Like, I it, I think it's inappropriate to call yourself something unless you've done the work. So I used to call myself a stylist because I did some styling, but it wasn't my strongest, my strongest strength, funnily enough. Uh, so I stopped doing that and I stopped calling that. And I stopped, I closed my blog when I left the Sunday Times two years ago because uh, I wanted to focus on writing for other people. So, you know... I took blogger off and I'm kind of trying really remain true to what I call myself which is a 
journalist broadcaster and consultant mm, I love that I do the same because it's it's almost like umbrella terms and then yeah. anything that falls underneath that kind of you, you know is can come below that but it sums up everything yeah um so I just wanted to say first of all thank you for writing your amazing pieces for Man Repeller. I know you write for lots of different magazines, but um, oh, there was one you wrote recently, which honestly came at the best time. I was, I think I was out for dinner with a friend and I was like, I've just got to read this under the table quickly. And they were like, <laughs> do you have to do that now? But I was like, just the headline alone. It was, I'm pro- probably paraphrasing it, but it said something like, I don't want to show perfection online, but must I bear my soul? I think that was the title actually. And, that's a really good memory on sharing yeah and I think you are so amazing at writing about what I don't want to do <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you take something very universal and I think what's resonating with a lot of women and you just like dig into it oh that's always been what I've um it's always been what I've interested in that is the mo of the hilo is kind of taking the quotidian and the banal and either trying to make it not trying to make it poetic but I I'm interested in everything and I think everything and anything can be thoughtful and I I found that one particularly interesting because I realized that I felt really uncomfortable about lots of aspects of my life now making that public Mm. so you know it's very deliberately that I haven't hosted or spoken on any panels about motherhood and I've been asked to quite a lot and I haven't to this date although I'm I, I'm thinking of doing one that could be quite fun haven't to this date you know ever done anything with Zadie whether for a brand or for a charity and I haven't talked about rearing her and there was a lot that I just felt like I really didn't want to share mm. and that piece I think was really important for me because there's this it kind of taps in something I've written recently and I think we were talking about it this idea that like being real means you have to be messy mm. and also everything gets commodified really quickly so even truth telling on social media I, I see it being done for likes now you know I saw a girl the other day say loving my stretch marks she didn't have any it was just her in a bikini picture and that's okay like post whatever you want I truly believe that but I feel like we're almost kind of sometimes co-opting like trauma and I'm not talking about me too because I I really believe in the power of that storytelling I'm not that's not to do with that but I think sometimes it's people feel like they have to share stuff that they're not comfortable sharing or that there's only one way to be truthful and um I kind of in this piece I was like but what if I have like an easy happy baby you know what if I what if I'm tidy does that mean that somehow I'm letting women down um and that I have to show them the mess elsewhere which at that time was probably my brain because I was really chronically anxious at that point but I didn't really feel like I should have had to share that I have since shared a tiny bit of it but um you don't none of us have like a duty I'm not like a public servant do you know what I mean yeah I know what you mean and there's something really inauthentic actually ironically about being like oh uh maybe I should put this up like strategizing and planning to put up something messy also um, like controversial opinion I find it really boring when people tell me how busy and tired they are because now I have a baby and I have insomnia like I I could probably trump them on the tired front but even as myself like it's boring to always say that so I don't really want to go onto Instagram and be like 
this is all the shit. Like, I'm really privileged and I'm really careful about what I complain about for quite a few different reasons. Like, for the motherhood thing in particular, it wasn't appropriate, I felt, for me to moan too much about the challenges of it. Although, of course, there are challenges, that's a given. Because my older sister, who had cancer last year, can't have children. So do I want her to log on to Instagram and see me complaining about Zadie? Mm. No. So everyone has their own motivations and reasons, I think. And I love people who want to share their parenting journey or, or other things that I'm not comfortable sharing, you know, maybe about their sex life. Like, great. I'm nosy. I'm curious. I'm a writer. I want to know it all. But that doesn't mean that you have to sign up to everything, I don't think. Yeah. But you're. it sounds like you do really, you're very careful about you basically you think about things like the fact that you just said that you sit down and work out how you want to define yourself you work out how you want to share things I think people could do with a little bit more of that actually do you think sometimes it kind of binds you a bit or limits you though because I'm obsessed with like looking at myself from the outside but it just means you surely you don't like follow the crowd just for the sake of it because you're like oh no I shouldn't do that or why am I doing that I try really hard to be quite rigorous with myself about my decision making now I am I know this sounds like a cliche but now I'm a mother and now I'm in my 30s I do now feel like okay no more pissing around Pandora no like trying shit for the sake of it like sit down at your desk do your work yeah you've always been ambitious though we we grinded away at the debrief we did because we were always doing other stuff lots of us were I've I, I've never just done one thing I always so when I was at the debrief I was doing my blog and I was freelancing for other people ditto when I was at the Sunday Times um, I went down to four days a week and that Monday was for my blog and for other projects I have to say employers haven't always liked that I wanted to do other things on the side but it was always paramount for me and thank god because it meant when I went freelance I didn't have that existential crisis yeah and especially how the, the way the industry is going now there's yeah. a real power in breaking off and trying new things it's funny though because I don't know if you had this none of the other things none of the new media that I tried was ever because I thought it would make money and actually, it's kind of sad now that some of that does. Like, I started a blog to have somewhere to put my writing so it would help me get a better job. And it did help me get the job at Sunday Times. And then I started a podcast at the Sunday Times with Dolly. R.I.P. Pandolly. <laughs> um, because I needed a... I felt like I needed a new challenge. Um, and then that obviously led to the podcast we have now. So, which is now a legitimate business. But I've never kind of started those things because I wanted them to be a career yeah and I wonder if they'd have worked out the way I did if I thought of it like that I like it it starts from such a pure place it but does. that and it's it's almost like an accident but you wanted to do it anyway so it's not an accident I know but do you think there's anything that like I don't think I I don't think I'd do that now yeah I I Unless think timing charity, can I just <laughs> yeah <laughs> timing is a massive part well I want to talk to you about the high low in a minute but just um back to that man repeller piece quickly I love that I love Man Repeller first of all and all of the places yeah, that you can't yeah and do you feel like a this is like a two-pronged question a that US publications are exciting to you because I know that you read like The Cut and The New Yorker and it feels like it's a really exciting place to be a journalist and write and also did it matter that it was Man Repeller for you to write that piece because it feels like a very welcoming and very intellectual and fun place so the first of your two-pronged questions, I really like writing for American publications. They tend to be much more, I have found, much more empathy-driven. There's much more about, like, the self. Um, there's much 
I don't know, I just think there's much more scope. They have more outlets. You know, we don't have loads of really good independent digital media brands it's over true here. sometimes i'm like who should i pitch this to and yeah. i and i have like three p- people and i really like the idea of having a presence in america man repel has been really useful for me when i, I wrote some stuff for the cut uh, a couple of years ago and when i met with them right being a contributing editor for man repeller was a really useful kind of uh reference point for them um so i really like and i've written you know a few bits of like vogue australia and things like that i really like writing for different territories i think that's really important it just increases your um scope of people you can write for and as for man repeller i am trying to write and work more with less people Mm. so i take places that I contribute to really seriously and I wanted to write that for Man Repeller because I am not great at being heavily edited. It was a really personal piece and I wanted it to exist in a certain space that I thought, not like a liberal echo chamber, but more I wanted it to exist in a certain space that I thought would understand it. Mm. Um, No, that's really important because you're right. It's the same with blogging, even though obviously Man Repeller is is edited and, and more of a publication, but to have that freedom and and feel like your voice is coming through. I wrote stuff for my blog in the past that I know that editors of places I worked would have rather I wrote for them. But I wrote it for my blog because I wanted to, yeah, as you say, Mm. I wanted it to exist in that space. So it was, and also I really, I I love writing for print, but I really like the immediacy of digital. That was something I really wanted to write then and there. And I was glad to see it go up the next week. Yeah. You know, writing something like three months ahead um I'm so impatient yeah especially when you're feeling it so strongly you're just like I want this up and I want people to connect to it yeah and by the time it comes out I I don't know if you've had this but I've worked on projects before um and like this year and then when they by the time they've come out I feel quite differently and I don't even feel like I'm necessarily that person it's the weirdest thing my first book I'm like who wrote that really yeah it was great though. I'm yeah, proud God. I'm proud of it, but it I'm just like really Jesus. Weird. When we had Olivia um Sudich on the um high low, she was saying she quoted Zadie Smith who said that the time when she always wants to revise her book is about three minutes before she gets on stage at a literary Oh my god, yeah. <clears throat> at a literary festival. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Whenever but I'm very it. I embrace it. I think, you know, you have to be you have to be respectful of your past self. I think I'm like that person tried their best but yes I would go back and change every word now (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm very I'm very tough on myself and I'm very bad at letting work I've done go you know just being like right I've done that now off it goes for other people to judge I will think of all the things I've done wrong and sort of taunt myself with it which is why it's good for me to keep doing those things because you know you have to learn how to separate yourself from it don't you totally right well let's talk about the high low because oh my god what an incredible podcast and what a juggernaut of a show it's always in the top 20 i love it and i've obviously listened to pandoli as well but just it's i think it's come a long way thank god (laughs) people still call it that they don't know i'm like let let it go they've stopped i think they've stopped now but yes for, for a long time but you have honestly built a cult following and such just a brilliant show and 
I just wondered how that's impacted your career and, and actually what it's like having that many people write into you and that many people buy tickets to your live shows and that that I mean it's so great I really enjoy doing the um live shows because it's such a different experience and it's been great to see it turn into this media channel you know we didn't anticipate that um and I feel very hashtag blessed to be doing it with one of my best friends you know a woman that I find genuinely hilarious and want to talk to all the time and is the only kind of the closest thing I have to a colleague which is great as you know as a freelancer it's really nice to have someone you can call a kind of colleague or a peer when you're like bobbing around on your own (laughs) so it's been a blessing in disguise in loads of ways not even in disguise just a plain blessing in loads of ways I think the thing for me that I love the most is for any of my friends or family the high low is so completely me it's the way I think and it's the way I talk but I didn't really have an outlet for that before because I was predominantly known for fashion so even though we did write about pop culture and social commentary and a bit on mental health um, I would that fashion is the dominant force it can colour everything you do and I definitely did get to a point where I found that very frustrating I always say that it's like whenever I go to a wedding people will say what do you think of my shoes or tell me how to take a good Instagram picture and mm. I really enjoy Instagram but truly if it blew up tomorrow I, I would be fine I, I would be just fine and probably more productive and less anxious so although I actually largely try and keep off it in in the as much of the day as possible now so it's been really great for me to have this place where there is no fashion we're really strict about that we don't talk about fashion we don't have fashion sponsors we don't do live events for fashion brands it's it's a really strict clause because I knew that my background of being in fashion would color it and it has you know we've had um people like Piers Morgan call it sort of frothy and funny we've been called in numerous publications a fashion podcast just by dint of us being two girls and me having God. written about fashion. And and there's nothing wrong with fashion. Of course there's not. I think it's, I, I adore style and I adore clothes, but it is often used as a pejorative term and it closes down conversation on so many other things. And it's really nice to have a space where none of that is. It is it's purely a culture podcast. So it's really opened up opportunities for me that I relish, like mm-hmm. interviewing authors and doing hosting and you panel love events. reading I love reading I'm a voracious reader I always have been and so it's a space for that so it really is a it really is a blessing for me and it has absolutely changed the way I work it's just flipped the narrative so that actually I spend a lot more time doing non-fashion stuff and I think where I am right now I really needed I really needed that yeah no it's so true it? it's very very you both of you I just wondered for people listening who think, oh, podcasting, that sounds fun. And what a fun little hobby thing to do. You know, it's a business, isn't it? You Just you, turn up and have a and- nap. I don't know what you're talking about. No prep, <laughs> no fact checking, none of it. Um, you do it. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up it's because hardcore. it's a lot. It's a lot of work, isn't it? It's hardcore. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of prep that goes into it. Top, you know, topic suggestions going back and forth. And we both make notes throughout the, the week of stuff we've enjoyed and if we ever cover a topic yeah we will always read around it uh we now have someone fact checking because I really beat myself up when I made an error because I just felt like if we really wanted to be taken seriously as culture journalists which we do and we do put in the work and we have do quite frankly have the experience you know we've we've both been full-time journalists for a while now um then I felt like we really needed it to be slick and 
We wanted it to be... We cut, Do you know what? I love, I, I love stuff that's off the cuff, but we wanted this to be well produced. Mm. We, we, we wanted it to, to be edited and fact-checked and, you know, three, four hours of making notes between us on a Google Doc, which we do before we record, and then two and a half hours of editing afterwards. Like, it's, it's really thoroughly done because that's what we wanted it to be as a product yeah no it's it's amazing I learn something new every time and I also love that sometimes you'll both come at something from slightly different angles we try and do that I think it's really boring if there's just two girls just going yeah yeah totally yeah which is what this podcast is really no I (laughs) I I know what you mean we agree because we do we do share very similar views on stuff there's some stuff that we diverge from a bit but that's why we always try and um include if you know follow up emails from other people but also like we're aware that it's a certain like you can't be everything to everyone this is a podcast made by two 30 something millennial middle class pretty privileged fairly liberal journalists yeah but I love that you say that imagine if you were like trying to cover that up (laughs) you imagine if you just sort of imagine if you were trying to fake where you lived and things I mean I think you know when the Guardian ran that piece and it was first new and it was like yeah this is a great podcast but didn't they call you posh or something it, it actually I thought it was quite funny posh podcasters make themselves shiver in shame yeah I mean, everyone shivers in shame but we're really like we're really big on like shame busting um yeah. and I think I think it's a really fine balance so I would always be very vocal about coming from a position of privilege, but I don't think I wouldn't want to attach shame to where I come from. No. Because I've been very lucky and I don't think that and I don't think that still means that, you know, Dolly and I don't have something valid to say. But what it does mean is we need to hear from a lot of other voices. I've definitely had times where I've been like, God, does my do people really need another it's something I said to Deborah Francis White, do people really need to hear from another middle-class white girl another straight middle-class white girl and she said yeah because you're a woman yeah I heard that and you're still you're still not the dominant voice and there's still only 13 percent of female hosted podcasts on iTunes apparently it might have changed I think that's from last year trying to tell other people's stories I do try really hard um when we book guests to think about having you know diverse views on there it's an entertainment and also a switch off podcast for me I find you know that I I like the light stuff and I like the heavy stuff and and actually that's the because those are the conversations you have yeah even with your smartest friends like you still might have a conversation with them about something daft you've seen like I find it really odd when people almost see the lowbrow as a novelty because that's like 90% 90% of the conversations I hear women and men, thank you very much, having that. It, do you know what I mean? It's like when people dismiss reality TV or the Kardashians and it's like, well, at your peril because it's shaping generations, yeah. whether or not you like it. And also, if it helps mentally, then so be it. I'm happy. Like Love Island, for example, I think got me through one of the most stressful summers of my life. Did it? That's yeah. good. And I just think, well, I, it's amazing then doesn't have to be highbrow to be enjoyable no I enjoy absolutely but I genuinely enjoy both in equal measures 
I had a question about because I have a chapter in my book about the work-life blend mm. and I just wanted to ask because I it's similar to me when when you do a job you you like and you really enjoy say you're watching Netflix are you Pandora at home watching Netflix with your husband or are you like oh oh the Hilo like uh, you know, how do you oh is there a line or does there not have to be a line and and how do you kind of manage that I think there's so I'm really strong about there having a line now I have a child so I don't work on Fridays I'm with her on Fridays and I am not available on email on Fridays and I don't do meetings and I don't go to events well I mean I don't go to events much anyway but I definitely wouldn't go on a Friday that's my day with Zadie to do baby stuff and I hope to always have that Friday not just because I basically didn't take a maternity leave but because the nature of our jobs is that we work a fair amount in the evenings you know if you ever do a talk often work on the weekends so Friday is yeah I don't touch it and I've also had to start working late in the evenings where possible because I just don't have the energy anymore mm. with a with a child in a busy job so it means that I am incredibly diligent during my childcare hours now I try and use those really productively um are you still an early riser I remember you being like always up early the baby yeah oh god yeah you're right <laughs> I we do me and my husband do alternate but unfortunately with a, with a baby lions are pretty rare that um, was such a naive question I fact. you still say <laughs> No, no, not anymore. I, I try and be, so my nanny Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday comes at eight. So I try and be at my desk as soon after eight as possible. And she leaves at six and I leave my desk and go straight up and have a bath with Zadie. So that is, that. those are my timings. And of course, like once every two weeks, I'll go in and I'll have a whole day in town and then, you know, it changes. And my husband does a hell of a lot, like big, big on the co-parenting, both of us. Um, but I don't. But in answer to your question about is there, a, I would I I would be inspired by anything everywhere. So if I was watching Netflix and it gives me an idea, then I would definitely jot it down. What I try and do now, which is quite new to me, is be more present in what I'm doing. Mm. So if I'm out pushing Zadie in the pushchair, I try not have a phone conversation at the same time. If I'm doing my emails. I don't watch something at the same time. You know, I do my emails. But if I'm watching something, I'm not... So just trying not to, like, always be doing everything in a sort of half-assed yeah. way. I love that. Because I, I have a lot of people saying to me, like, oh, if you're a multi-hyphenate, does that mean you're multitasking all the time? And I'm like, no. Oh <laughs> no, I don't do five things at once. The point is you want to do one thing really well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really big on that. Like, yeah, no, I'm busy doing this. And it's so funny because before I had a baby or when I first had her, so many people thought I was like juggling a baby and work. And I'm like, I, I don't know how how you think you can be a carer to a child and then also be like writing down intelligent conversation. Like one of those things or both of those things would get severely compromised. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty old school. As you've seen, I sit in my study and I sit at my desk and I'm quite strict about it mm. although google docs has changed my life i do like that if i suddenly want to change a piece i can just pop into google docs on my phone yeah when I'm anywhere out. Yeah. yeah that really has actually been quite life-changing i know that sounds like dolly recommending the sainsbury's app on the high low but <laughs> i think it's a very that's such an in joke now isn't it well it was just i loved it just how one of her best friends was like did you just not read anything that week she was like and yeah, when i mean i guess her so. friend was like are you sponsored by Sainsbury's? I know. <laughs> it's that thing, though, when you work with brands now that people assume everything's sponsored. You're like, no, I just actually really like this. Yeah. Well, 
that's gone quick i had one last question really which was um actually two last questions i recently i think you said i can't remember if it was on the high low or in a piece but you were like sometimes people assume that my biggest success is the fact that i've got you know a quarter of a million followers on instagram yeah i really respect you as someone who doesn't get sucked into that because actually you could do way more shiny things as being an influencer than you do how do you not get sucked into the the social media kind of influencer world i love the term shiny things you're right that's exactly what they are they're shiny um i think as you get older you're just interested in doing different things honestly and you only have so much time in the world and the things i like doing the much the things i like doing the much the things i like doing the most are writing and podcasting and speaking and those things and you know taking pictures of yourself or wearing fancy clothes or going to events like you know little heard opinion but it actually takes quite a lot of time and it's very exposing and I I really don't like being called an influencer not because I have anything against them I have friends who are influencers very stylish and successful ones but it doesn't feel like the right moniker for what I do um, it completely ignores the fact that I have never not been a full-time journalist. I've never not written for different publications. I might have written a bit less when I first had a baby, but I have never stopped writing. And I've had a podcast, whether the high-low or otherwise, for almost two and a half years. And I don't really go to events and I don't post pictures of myself a huge amount anymore. So it just feels inaccurate. Um, so it's a, it's a very it's a conscious effort um, and I now try, I think the wonderful thing about social media, I mean, Instagram's a blessing and a curse. Yes, I hate it when people look at the X amount of followers that I have and they think that that's what I think is my success or they think it's my success because it's an empty vessel. Um, it's, it's what you choose to put in it. So what I'm trying to put in it now are the things I really care about. Um, so books, things I've written, lovely quotes. I try and recommend um, things that I read and there'll be a bit of the influencery stuff but as you say I do really try and turn down anything that doesn't feel um really true to me and challenges me really want to keep on learning and feeling challenged and I just I know lots of people find it hard to believe I don't love having my picture taken so (laughs) but I think that really resonates um I think that'll really resonate with a lot of people listening because I think it's not a rare thing to like get pigeonholed in your career especially as a woman and then have to fight your way out of that I definitely feel like since I left Sunday Times I've been trying to fight my way out of that a bit and um try and do what feels a bit true to me but I think I mean Fern Cotton said something really interesting recently in Red magazine where she was like I grew up but my career didn't and that Mm. caused her real angst and I am constantly analyzing as you mentioned earlier everything I do and when things don't feel true to me anymore like I really struggle with that so I am just trying to create things or take up opportunities that feel exciting to me and that feel like consistent with what I'm doing rather than just like trying to throw in yet another thing that you know I haven't done my homework on I like doing my homework yeah no I love that I really love that message because I think in this world of many opportunities and choices and endless swiping on apps like sometimes you need to pick some things and stick with them and work out what you want so I ask this on every episode but um what are you excited about coming up soon 
I am looking forward to interviewing Rosamond Pike at L Weekender, Ooh, where I know you're speaking. Um, I just watched her in A Private War um, about Marie Colvin, the war correspondent for the Sunday Times, who died in Syria in 2012. That was really interesting. And your Hilo episode about the and we, exactly, book we is incredible. Back, so there's lots of Marie Colvin <clears throat> content out there at the moment. And I have just finished writing a long-form essay for an independent um, publisher called The Pound Project, uh, which I'm really excited about because it offers writers the opportunity to write anything they want that doesn't need a news hook and brings back the idea of paying for content and champions independent publishers, which are all so things good. that I think about. How long is it? It is 6,000 words um, and it has been a labour of love and I have gone round in circles and I'm just going to present it with all its imperfections and you know I've learned lots from it which Brilliant. I think is really great love that it's nice not having to stick to an 800 word word count which is yes. just the scourge of the because didn't you say recently that you you overwrite like you write 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 and then edit down yeah I'm always editing that's, down that's it's such so a nice good to problem expand. to have what rather than no because it just means Dolly and I have an expression on the high-low which is when one of us goes off on a tangent we say you got out the waffle maker <laughs> so in every episode when we edit it's editing down the waffle that one of the waffle makers has made. Sometimes you're a <laughs> That's Belgian hilarious. waffle maker. Both of us can waffle for Britain, <laughs> our poor producer. Um, and then on a personal note, I'm looking forward to going to Paris for my, I think it's my eighth year anniversary. Oh my, my God, you go there every year, don't you? You go there every year. Aww. He's a creature of habit. Do you stay at the same hotel? No, we stay at a different one every time. So it's my first ever baby-free weekend so that gonna be weird? actually I've had one at a wedding a friend's wedding um I'm really excited I I tried to, I got that real guilt at first and took her almost everything I possibly could not weddings when she wasn't invited but almost everything else you know I would never spend time away from her if I could help it just because I'd gone back to work so soon after having her and I really missed being in the baby bubble but I think now she's ready to have a weekend with her grandparents and <laughs> we can get drunk and, and they'll in. love it oh we'll have an amazing time thank you um and thank you for coming back on you should thank come on again so in a year i'd love that let's just make it a thing i love that but big fan of control alt delete well the yellow trainers are always welcome in my mustard mustard, room. mustard living room <laughs> it's amazing it's a shame it's a podcast for you know the outfits and the curtains but thank you so so much thank you 